Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Drive to your nearest Sonic location and try their new Choose Any Two for $7 deal for a limited time only. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Cal Dolson, joined, as always, by Kevin Zerman. Hello, Kevin. Hey, how are you? Hanging in there. Um, morally defeated at times, emotionally defeated at times over the last month. Uh, this is the most health issues, if you want to call them that. I guess that's what they are that I've had during a season before. Um, that is why we didn't podcast last week. That's why we're podcasting right now, because we have this little two-day window before... I become a new man. I'm going to, people are going to come up to me and be like, something's new about you. Did you get a new haircut? And be like, no, I don't have my gallbladder. God. Uh, well, uh, glad you're feeling well enough to do this today. Um, important times with the in-season tournament. Um, and like, like the Phoenix Suns, yeah, you just want to get the health fixed as the season gets older and we get to more important games, but we're, we're, we're going to hang out today. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm Bradley Beal. I'm sticking to my three week timeline. Like, <laughs> was I excited to go to Vegas and cover the in season tournament if they got there? Yes, but uh, I'm on my I'm on my designated timeline post recovery on Wednesday. So, uh, unfortunately, that'll be a bad break for me if if they go. But it'll be exciting if they do go. We'll talk about that a bit more on the podcast in a little bit of time. This is similar to our podcast like two or three ago when I was out sick for a week or whatever long that was and you got to cover some games you were in the house for saturday's win over memphis we haven't talked since scott foster gate part 77 kevin <laughs> that was fun i got to be the pool reporter and talk to our good friend friend of the pod scott foster as he's known friend of the empire of the suns podcast you've so i think i pointed this out like in our work chat but you've been so Take us through the pool reporting, how that works, how you get assigned that. Because you've been Scott Foster game pool reporter three times at least, I think. And you've been activated like twice. Am I correct on these things? Yeah, I think I've been the pool reporter nearly a half dozen times when Scott Foster was the official. And that's like a thing where I'm like, okay, is Scott Foster refereeing tonight? Because he's usually attached to shenanigans. Um, and it's, this is the second time where I've been activated as you call it. Basically what happens is if there's something in the game that happens that is controversial, warrants a follow-up with an official, the pool reporter is either reached out to by their, um, comrades or takes themselves into it, which is what, like I knew after that, it's like, okay, I have to do the pool reporter stuff at halftime. So I went and like talked to Kendra Andrews and other people who worked for the Warriors. I talked to Gerald and Dwayne and like, like, okay, what do you want me to ask? And then I wrote out my questions beforehand. That's part of it that I think a lot of people don't understand is that they see that sheet with the really bland conversation. We just have to write out our questions um, beforehand. So we, we do that. Um, and then sometime after the game, I get called onto a Zoom. And then uh, I talk to him and ask him those questions. So that's what happens. And he offered um, some explanations. The one about KD's technical, when he got it for putting the ball in the stanchion, he like cited the specific rule to me and I asked Kevin about it after. And he was like, yeah, I knew that I was pissed. Like I just, <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> he was just very honest about it. Um, but yeah, that's like the procedure. It's, 
It's interesting. I'll leave it at that. It's it's interesting. There it's it, there are ways it could improve, but at the same time, it helps for people in like a game like that that is defined by something that happened with the official. It's good to at least be able to speak with the officials, and uh, yeah, that's my job sometimes. There's so so that one. I don't know the timeline of like how the Zoom is after the game because you have to miss some availability, probably. I'm assuming, but because uh, when Chris went in and said in Warriors availability, like. He said something in the past when I was with the Clippers about my son or whatever. He said, like, you you have no way to, like, follow up on that, even if it was after that, right? Like, your questions are written out already. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was after anyway. Yeah. Um, I did follow up one time just because it was like I really wanted to get more on it. And I think that was another one when Chris got tossed. It was against Houston, I want to say. Um, but typically, you just, you know, stick to what they have you do and you go from there. So yeah, that was Wednesday's game. We don't even really have to talk about it because it was defined by a Chris Paul, Scott Foster thing. I think everyone has been following along by now or they don't care. So we'll just choose to move past it. And the Suns went on a seven game winning streak. that got uh, ended by the Raptors in Toronto. As a lot of people are pointing out on Twitter, this is just a weird matchup for the Booker Suns, I guess it, it's always just been a place that they've had trouble playing at, uh, particularly Booker, uh, and then in the Denver game, I believe it was in Toronto when he sprained his ankle, right? Yes, yes, Wednesday. Yeah, so Booker sprains his ankle in Toronto. It looked particularly painful. Uh, is out for the Denver game uh, on Friday, but then returns on Saturday in a win. He looks like himself, but in a I am using what I can way, if that makes sense, on Saturday, where he was not in full attack mode the entire game. I think in the third quarter specifically is when he really started to get downhill and really started to challenge the defense. And more so his functionality in the first half was, I'm the guy who's going to get trapped or double teamed. I'm the guy who's going to help spacing. And then I'm going to try and like defend the best I can and do all this other stuff. And Memphis is such a shorthanded depleted team that he was guarding like uh, David Roddy or John Conchar. Memphis started putting him in the screening actions a little bit to get him on the move a bit because I'm sure they picked, kind of picked up on what was happening and were aware of it. Um, but he looked great. He, he played a great game, and they kind of not necessarily got back on track as Kevin knocks over the sponsored thing on video. That, that was really rude, man. They're not going to like that. We're not going to get free tater tots anymore after you did that, dude. I want my free tater tots. Don't ruin this for us. Uh, two losses to Toronto and Denver. I don't know what you thought about the Denver game. Uh, let's kind of get, let's kind of start there because it was Jokic versus Nurkic. Yeah. I honestly, I'm not going to take a ton of that as far as big picture, or whatever, because Jamal was out. Um, obviously book out. I just liked that we got two seven foot dudes hitting each other so much. Like, I think people were just entertained by that. And we did see, look, I don't think Nurk is going to outplay Jokic to that degree every time, but I think that is a really interesting when we talk about just that pickup of Nurk as a whole. He has flaws against modern people, but of all people he's going to at least know well and, and have size to impact a little. It's the dude who is going to probably challenge for MVP again. And so to me, that was super interesting just to watch him go at it, watch his intensity level, watch his assertiveness, watch how he wanted to be in the game plan and a big part of the game plan. So to me, I think that was just like more of a 
peel back the curtain on his competitiveness. Um, again, like Jokic could probably cook him um, next game for all we know. But I, I just think that was a little educational. We all know their background. They know each other pretty well, that kind of thing. So I, I just thought it was a fun game to watch, man. Um, we didn't see that one coming. And, yeah, I mean, I also thought if we want to take anything from it, the Suns were competitive, right? Like they're they're going to scrap, I think we saw over the winning streak. Um, and until the Toronto game, like they're, they are starting to get a little cohesion, I thought the Memphis game, we can talk about that a little bit, was also a good moment just to see them as a team being more teamy, if that's not a very good descriptor, but just they're starting to like, okay, I'm going to punch back and defend my teammates type of chemistry building stuff is starting to happen, I guess. Yeah, the Denver game was interesting just because it, there was like a mini conversation of Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon being out versus Booker and Beal being out. Which one is more important? I think this, it's more important to the Suns, but it shouldn't devalue or diminish how much Denver relies on its starting five and how things get hairy outside of that. But, Kevin, in that game, I don't know how much Alex touched on it in his recap or how much um, the shows are going to hit on it today. Or I didn't see much conversation on it on Twitter. I don't know if any Suns fans were looking at the way Justin Holiday and Reggie Jackson were playing, but that was notable. And Reggie's been pretty good for them so far this year. And whatever happened with him last year, including when he came to Denver and didn't look like himself, he starts to look more like the Reggie Jackson that we've gotten to know. Um, maybe in the specific Suns matchups, it helps because he seems to always kill the Suns. He was incredible in the Western Conference Finals two years ago. Uh, but Holiday is someone who has bounced around a bunch of teams for specific reasons. He's a perfect 3 and D role player in theory, but he just hasn't stuck anywhere. But, but he looked really good in that game. He scored 15. He had five assists. Jackson had 20 points. He had four assists. Each of them hit three threes. Um, but I, to your point, I think the Suns being around in that game and sticking around was very a, a very positive takeaway. The Nurkic thing was great because we have seen now, going back to Portland even, that every time he plays against Jokic, he's trying to be the best player on the floor specifically. Like he really wants to outplay him severely, which is tough because that's the best player in the world. And that's a tough thing to do. But he went at him and played really well against him. He didn't necessarily outplay him. No one really outplays Jokic in a one-on-one matchup, but he was great. And we'll talk about him more in a little bit. But Durant goes 0 for 10 in the second half. That is the first regular season game he's ever done that in either half. He had one more in the playoffs, but in the regular season, over a thousand games. That was the first time it happened. Um, that's crazy um, that they were able to hang around in the game as much as they did while shots weren't really falling for him. And all it came down to was the um, there was the MPJ contested two on really good defense, and then there was a contested three in the corner for KCP that went in. They made both those shots and they won. And like that's what championship teams do. There's like just two or three little plays that can swing the entire game, and that's like win a championship is making those plays all the time. And I thought that they did. And I thought the Suns did well to kind of hang around. It was a good showing from them. Yeah, the Memphis game was some of them getting on track. It was adjusting to what Memphis was doing with the top blocking. It's funny, Grace Allen said today, he listed off already all the stuff they've seen. Like, they've seen box in one. They've seen triangle in two, which, like, I, I learned about through that game. I, I, we haven't really seen it in the NBA much. So I wasn't really too familiar with it. And then uh, top blocking, which is more common. But still, like we've seen all this weird stuff that teams have been trying to do to Booker and Durant to challenge them and see what they can limit out of them. I, I liked the way that the team was. I thought Nurkic was really good in that game, too. And he was, what, six for 18. He shot 33 percent as a center, which wants you to uh, look into it and say that he played a bad game. But 
yeah, the way they were able to um, produce with, with him, the way they've been able to produce with him has been really notable. But, I mean, it goes back to Booker. He had 34, 10, and 7 in that game with 13 of 13 from the line. And on, on the year now, he's at 28, 6, and 8 with only 2.9 turnovers per game to go with those 8.4 uh, assists. He's shooting 47, 40, 93 from the field through 11 games. And uh, I wrote about it last week, essentially. Um, and I had the stats somewhere that through his first nine games, his points and assists, like his totals for the first nine games of a season had only been done twice in the last 50 years. Uh, and it was Russ and James Harden in 2016-17. Russ was the MVP that year. Harden was the runner-up for MVP. That was one of the more competitive MVP debates uh, that we've had recently, I want to say. Uh, and he's just on that fast track right now where he is playing at that high of a level where everything, like we kind of talked about in the preseason, it seems to just be coming together for him in this role. It Does it feel weird to you to call him a point guard anymore? It seems like people are still getting a kick out of that, like he's getting a kick out of it like uh, in his post-game um interview with amanda flugrad he he said like i'm the point guard he's the scorer when talking about kd kd called him the point guard next to him in a in a scrum and, and booker kind of smirked when he when it was said um he is he is the point guard i don't know it's just what he is now yeah it, it is funny like it's just like okay you guys know it's not going to change it's 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 a thing um because i don't remember i think it was shams or something when they they traded for brad beal like he, he said Bradley Beal's going to be the point guard, and we were like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's not going to be a thing. Um, I think the numbers, and I don't have it pulled up here, but uh, Michael Pena from the Ringer wrote about Book being maybe the NBA's best point guard, and and we can debate about what a point guard means, right? Because like, is LeBron a point guard? Is Jokic a point guard? Um. Books in that class where he manipulates the game so well right now that I think that's whatever you want to label him, like he's there. And I think Pena's article is good because it pointed out like he's passing a lot more. It's not just like like us and Phoenix knew he had the vision and the passes in his arsenal, but I think he's doing it a lot more just because he knows he has to and he knows he has Kevin Durant on his team. So I think that's kind of the interesting part is he really has changed this year how he's playing. Um, I guess we saw it in the Denver playoff series and that kind of thing last year when Chris Paul was out. But over this 11-game stretch where he's played, um, the Suns are 9-2. and two. And I think when you go get down to all the stats, that's the important one. Um, they're 9-2 with that dude around and playing that role. Um, I think my favorite stretch just because probably I was there was the Grizzlies game um at the end of that first quarter like they put in Vince Williams who you were pretty high on as a draft pick so props there dude was basically go and just literally sit under KD's ribs and whether he's off the ball to start the play anywhere you're bothering the crap out of him and they were kind of mentioning the top blocking there but he was literally like face guarding him the entire time whether he was coming off screens or standing in the corner when katie went to the bench book came back in i think for the end of that quarter and uh so vince williams moves on to book doing the same exact thing and book like after two plays just figures out okay they're gonna switch this if we run this action off the ball so he just ran the action with i don't even remember who the screeners were 
got someone else on him and Vince Williams off of him, and he literally got himself a very, very, very wide open three atop the arc, hit it, and then I think at the end of the quarter it was uh, Watanabe got an open corner three um, after he forced a switch himself to to kind of set it up. So that kind of level of stuff where it's, okay, I'm thinking three switches or three actions into a play based on I know what they're doing to open up some wide open shots is the level that he's operating right now. And I think that's kind of, in my mind, a good good description of like where he is as a point guard or manipulator or playmaker for himself and others, I guess. Yeah, uh, we can skip the MVP part. That's more of a conversation for later, but we can just say it kind of simply that both him and Duran are playing on a first-team All-NBA level. I don't know who's going to make first-team All-NBA this year. It's like Halliburton's got to be on there. Those two guys have to be on there. Jokic has to be on there. Embiid has to be on there. Like It's it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous last year, and it's going to be ridiculous again this year, but those two guys are playing the best basketball or um, among the guys who are playing the best basketball in the league right now, uh, and that has them in a really good spot. Uh, the other noticeable development that has happened over the last like 10 days, I would say, and that has been coming on more uh, – with that Denver game especially has been how much Yusuf Nurkic has played uh, solidly good. Yeah. I don't know how far you want to go, um, but he hasn't been like a negative out there by any means. I think that's what a lot of people were worried about after 10 games into the year. It was really hard to read much into it. And we kept the conversations pretty solid on him because we didn't want to read too much into it while Booker was out. Now that Booker is back, all of his numbers are way up. In the 10 games they've played since Booker's return, he missed one of these games. Um, Nurkic's net rating is double digits. It's like, I, I want to say it's like 13 I have in the story that's previewing the Lakers game. Um, they've m- Most of his touches in the post have come in the last 10 games. His defense has been much better in the last 10 games. He's just playing a whole lot better. And by the way, he's playing. Uh, we were really worried. I think everyone was worried when this trade happened. Is this going to be a guy that's even available in the playoffs? Like we talk about if you should play him in the playoffs. Like, can he play in the playoffs? Will he be around? He's played all 20 games so far. I think it's him, Akogi, and Goodwin, I want to say, who are the only three guys this year who have played all three, uh, all 20 games so far. Um, he's been pretty good in the last two to three weeks. And I think defensively, it all comes down to something that I've been talking about on here for many episodes now, which is when he positions himself properly, he's good. Like he's, he's impactful. He can change a possession, but it's those possessions where someone gets a step on him or more so he overplayed his position because he's not accounting for his lack of speed. And that's where he gets hurt. But guys like him and slow footed guys like him can struggle because even if they're in the right position, they can't make a play on the ball or their instincts aren't that good in those situations. His are good. And I think that he's been better than expected in that regard in the last 10 games, especially like those, those offense defense numbers, like the defensive ratings and stuff when he's on the court, as opposed to off, they all trend pretty positively and you just see it um, on the floor now. And, and I did think that there wasn't, I think we'll, we'll find a middle ground here somewhere soon because in the first 10 games, he was rough in these last 10 games. He's been pretty good. It'll land somewhere in the middle probably, but we were looking at a guy who, okay, his passing is a positive, his screening is a positive. What else are you going to get out of him exactly? 
And if you get somewhere around this level of impact, the Suns are looking pretty good for the regular season and potentially even in the playoffs for, for the times that he's out there on the floor. I think that his development growth has been high atop the reasons why the team has been playing so well over the last like three weeks. Yeah, and uh, I'll say that Jaron Jackson Jr. going for like 37, like obviously Nurk wasn't on him all the time. I Yeah, I didn't think he necessarily played poorly, but that is a matchup where it's just like, all right, this dude's just faster, can shoot over you. Even if he goes not can't go through you he's gonna go over you um and and jaron jackson had a really good game but i don't think like that's like a red flag on nurk's part at all like he actually played him straight up pretty well and just dude was on one um so yeah i i think he's been pretty solid and consistent and just again the engagement level when he's on a team where the ask is that he does that i think he's taking it and obviously he's Big game against Jokic is going to take that very seriously. Coming up, uh, we've got the in-season tournament. We had we missed a week last week, so that was when we would have recapped how we got here, essentially, and how the in-season tournament group play stages ended. Um, essentially, how it ended is that the late game shots didn't matter, if I remember correctly. Because uh, Houston wound up, uh, or no, I'm sorry, New Orleans wound up winning their group. So the Suns, like, plus 34 to plus 33 thing didn't matter. But at the end of Friday, uh, that Friday when Booker made the three at the end of the game, that actually could have wound up mattering because of how the Pelicans' point differential ended uh, on the week, which was crazy. Um, But it's been a pretty positive thing for the league so far. I think the big question is, okay, and I saw, I only saw like um, Howard Beck tweeted. I didn't read the story yet, but I thought the headline he had and like what he teased for the piece went well with like, okay, like once the novelty of the tournament wears off, like this new thing, the newness of it, will this continue to be a successful thing that people care about? Because people undeniably care about it more now than they would about a regular season game. You can compare all of like the numbers, and, and the NBA shared a bunch of numbers that have indicated that the end season tournament games are doing better than games in those slots compared to the last couple of years. And then this is really the week where they should see the numbers go up significantly because they are the the elimination games, um, and they are like more um, defined to fans. They don't have to worry about like okay, who beat who, how do the tiebreakers work? Like no, it's just a eighteen bracket, um, and it's going to be really fun. The Suns are in it. They play the Lakers on Tuesday. And then if they win, they play the loser of the, or the winner, I'm sorry, of the Kings and Pelicans, which is a fun little other side of the bracket uh, on Thursday. And then the, the it's, they would play on Thursday and Saturday. Is that how it goes? Yep. Yep. And if, if they, they go, yeah. And if they lose, then they get Friday. We don't know if that's home or away as we record this because Pelicans Kings will decide that. And it's dependent on who they play. Yeah, and those teams play uh, tonight on Monday night before my favorite game of the four, which is Pacers-Celtics, because Halliburton, I think this might be the first time the Pacers have been on TNT or ESPN this year, maybe the second. Yeah. Um, but Halliburton is one of the best players in the world right now. He's been absolutely incredible. Indiana's doing some version of Mike D'Antoni offense, whatever you want to call it, where they're just putting up routinely 130 going into the 140s and 
they played some ridiculous games, including that one against Atlanta that like went into the one fifties. Um, and it's all thanks to guys like him, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Buddy Heald, our, our boy, Ben Matherin, just running it up and down and playing a high tempo uh, against the Celtics who were an awesome defensive team and an extremely skilled offensive team. I'm really looking forward to that game. And then the other, the other matchup in the East is who it's Nixon. Oh, Kevin. You're... I shouldn't know. I just know the Nuggets uh, aren't uh, in this thing that, the eight teams that are in it are all fun to watch, and that's kind of where we're at. Bucks, uh, the Bucks and the Knicks. Bucks and Knicks. Yeah, they, they got a really good they got a really good draw. Like it could have gone worse for the league. Like Houston, it would have been really cool to see. Like Shengun's been amazing, and they've been like a kind of a cool story. But you've got the Kings, who have become one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. Like Pacers and Kings, maybe the two most fun teams to watch in the league right now. Pelicans, you've got star power there with Zion. The Lakers, Suns, an upset. Bucks, an upset. And Celtics and Knicks, an upset. Um, Knicks, not on the caliber of these teams, but they've got the market and the fan base to go with it. And, the, and they are the New York Knicks, the, the the lead after all. Are they home or away? I believe. No, they're away. So that game's not in their mystery. That would have been cool. Um, but that's going on. Um, wait, anything you're looking at specifically on Tuesday? Anything you're looking for? Because I think this is like, like I was trying to say with what Beck wrote is that okay, after this year, are the, is it still going to be up? Like, are people less about curiosity and more about, like, looking forward to it? I think there are clear tweaks that we've talked about already that the league has to make to improve it. But this matters. I, I didn't say this on the pod yet, so I'll say this before tossing it to you about the tournament. Quarterfinalists get $50,000. That is for each player and each head coach. And then there is, like, a smaller percentage of a pot like that that gets embursed to the um, assistants as well. And then it goes from 50 to 100K for the semifinals. And then it is a 100 to 200K for the final. And then 200 to 500 for the winner. So there's a $50,000 difference for the quarters, a, a $100,000 difference for the semifinals, and then $300,000 for uh, the final. Chris Middleton had a great quote where uh, to the AP where he was like, if you get told the richest guy in the world, $50,000 was on the line, something he would care about it. Mm. It's like this money is still going to matter to those guys who are making 30, 40, $50 million a year. But just as much as it's going to matter to them to try and win it for their teammates who aren't as financially well off as they are like, yes, should Saban Lee and Yudoka as be like set off for like the rest of their life with the money they're making on basketball. Yes. But getting this extra like 500 K could like do a world of good for the rest of their lives. Uh, and even for the guys like on smaller contracts right now, which is over half the roster. Yeah. So the money, the money alone is going to matter. But then I also think the, um, the competitiveness of the tournament, the fact that it is the first one that people want to say they won the first one, not so much say they won the first one, but be a part of the competitive experience first and getting that first taste of it. And the fact that the Suns lost both their games to the Lakers and without Devin Booker, who seems to enjoy playing against the Lakers quite a bit. Like I, I expect Tuesday to feel like a playoff game. I mean, I'll just go back book by like what game two or three of the play in was very conscious about his the team scoring late in games when it didn't matter. Like they they are petty this league. Like when this is your job, you can be petty about such things. And whether you're talking about little points or just making sure you're in a good spot, like at the end of the day, it's a different way to compete. And now, obviously, we're past the point scoring stuff, and it's just a tournament. And I think just saying you're in a single elimination tournament is enough to get the 
blood boiling a little faster and easier than just a regular, you know, early December regular season game, even if it was Suns Lakers. Like, I think it's a lot easier to do it in this situation. So I'm excited. Yeah, I just hope particularly for Pacers and Kings, you know, if someone didn't hasn't watched the Kings yet this year or last year or like the Pacers, if they haven't watched the Pacers this year, as the basketball nerd, I'm excited for those teams to get the opportunity. And then I'm hoping that it does um, bring intensity because when the intensity is there, I mean, you've covered NBA regular season games like that where it feels like a playoff game. Like I, there are a few of those every year and to uh, make those come to life organically is cool. So if it adds to better basketball on the screen, I don't care what they call it. I don't care what the trophy looks like. I don't care how much money you guys get. I just, if it leads to better basketball being played, which in the group stages, I don't know if we were there. I think people were trying to say in certain ways that it felt more intense, but I think that it actually will in this, in this uh, way for sure. Yeah. The group play was more, it made a blowout against Memphis matter. Like it, like that kind of stuff made it interesting. And these ones, look, if you look at the group that they were put in, um, I think the NBA did this on purpose, to be honest. But, you know, it was probably just a random pot. The Suns and Lakers showed up against each other and then were put in the West and then end up in the, you know. It it just worked out to the way that they did it. Memphis was treated as like a 40-45-50 win team when they are going to be probably a 25-30 win team Mm -hmm. because they've had a really rough start to the year. Maybe when Jock comes back, like they were – they had won two in a row, I believe, coming into that game on Saturday, and they yeah. they showed some stuff on Saturday that looked like okay, maybe they're starting to figure it out again. Like seeing Jaron have a really good game like that, maybe he gets back on track. That's been a weird part of their whole thing is like Jaron's numbers are kind of a little bit down across the board. It's like Jaw's gone. What what's happening? <laughs> Stephen Adams isn't grabbing the rebounds anymore. Are you good? Um, but uh, alas, uh, they'll they'll figure it out. Number one in the country, bud. We'll yeah. See how long. Jeez, yeah. this month's brutal. Yeah, Purdue game. Looking forward to it. Um, the way that Lloyd coached against Duke has me optimistic because Purdue showed how much of a one-trick pony they are in the tournament. Maybe they learned from it. Maybe they haven't. But if you can limit Edie and the best and like force our other guys to make plays, I think you're in a good spot. And Arizona has the best roster in the country to combat him with uh, – Follow and Krivas like they have they're not going to be able to steal minutes with Edie against like some 6'9 freshman who weighs 180 pounds like that's not going to happen I am very biased against teams that have bigs that think just because we have a big and they go into the tournament or against good teams and they just think they're going to win and then the turns off they're big oafs they're not any good I'm not saying that about Edie but I think Arizona will be fine the other dudes have to show up so you're the reason the basketball gods punished us with those Kaminsky performances. That's what you're saying. This is because of you. He is a stretch five. It's, I don't consider him that. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I see what you mean. Yeah. The, the team with taco fall is thinks it's just gonna, you know, yes. That must hate us. Who is the dude who Hashim the beat used to punish, uh, Notre Dame. I forgot that dude's name. Luke Herringoni? You're really forgetting Luke Herringoni just like that? Yes, I am. That's it. That's insane. Wow. You're not going to bring up Kevin Pitsnoggle after that, I guess, either. Jeez Louise. Look at you. Shame. (laughs) Prismak Karnowski? No? Assistant coach Arizona. Yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah, I can be. I can be in one of those TikToks where they have people just name name a player until whatever. I can be on one of those. It's like going to name 
a relevant college basketball big man from the 2000s, brother, I could be here for 20 minutes. I can keep the going. The 17 and going year old going. who's educating us on TikTok about the guy that I watched and was my hero. And then it's like, oh, thank you for reminding me that I'm old. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Don't let me get to guards and AC Law and Juan Dixon, man. I'll keep going. <laughs> I'll keep going. All right, bud. Uh, we should be back next week. I hate that I have to use the word should, but we'll see. Um, we're, we're, we are on schedule. Next week is a fun one, by the way. So as we laid out, the schedule is there. But then a fun homestand, bud. Uh, Tuesday against the Warriors. So Chris Paul returns and hopefully plays the entire game this time and referees don't take course. And can you imagine if they put Foster on <laughs> Like, they're just trolling at that point. The league's just trolling if that's the case. And then the Twins are back on Wednesday, hoping to uh, make it out to the shoot-around or whatatever they're going to do practice here and then say hi to say hi to our old pals. And then Friday, a really good game against the Knicks. I thought that we didn't really talk about that, the Booker game winner and how competitive that game was. That game was awesome. Uh, they play a primetime ESPN game on Friday. And then you want to talk about trolling and meme potential. The Washington Wizards are in town Sunday. Landry Shamit's return. We get to I get to see the Jordan <laughs> Poole experience live and in person. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be such a good week. I don't know if the Washington game will be any good, man. I'm going to be real with you. No, it, it will be to me. You just have to be there to appreciate it and see Kyle Kuzma take a lob off the glass when they're down 25 in the second <laughs> half. I can't wait. It's going to be great. All right, buddy. Good seeing you. We'll be back next week, everyone. See you later.